Hi everyone and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you from the heart of Yorkshire, England, where it is the warmest day of the year so far. It's May 17th, 2022, as I record. Spring is in full flow and I love it. It's been a few weeks since the last podcast and I'm sorry to anyone holding on for this one. It's been a busy time but we've also had the dreaded COVID in the house, which kept us under the weather for nearly two weeks. To be fair, our experience with COVID wasn't too bad. It was sort of fluey, like a head cold type thing. But even after the the main symptoms subsided, there was still a sense that we just weren't right. You know, that sense of unease when you just know something, you're not quite well. You're not really poorly, but you're not quite well either. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fortunately, I mean, we've we've gone all this time with um, without having COVID at all. And I don't know how we've done it, given given the jobs that my wife and I do and, and the kids in and out of school. But we have dodged it until recently. And uh, it's just nice that the the strain that's out there currently is is not a strong... It's not a serious virus for most people, so uh, we've been lucky, I guess. Very lucky. I did get a few weeks off around... A few weeks? Not a few weeks, I wish. <laughs> a few days off around Easter. But I was binging Better Call Saul ahead of the new season, which was an absolute pleasure to rewatch. I've also got into Money Heist on Netflix... That's a lot of fun. And I've also just finished the final season of Ozark. Another good show. Bit of a Breaking Bad tribute in some ways and, and not in the same league at all, but worth watching. I can't wait for next week when we get the return of Stranger Things and the premiere of the new Obi-Wan Kenobi show on Disney+. Plus. I may not have mentioned that I'm a massive Star Wars geek. My love for it has been passed on to my youngest son, so we watch it together. Can't beat some quality father-son time, can you? My eldest son likes The Mandalorian, but generally he tolerates Star Wars rather than loves it. I think he would agree that's fair to say. We're going to get into the next episode of Season 3 of Dexter, but I want to assure anyone listening to this who hasn't seen anything beyond this episode of Season 3 yet, I will not be spoiling anything that's yet to come. This is a spoiler-free zone, so you can listen with confidence. Before we jump into episode six, I want to say thank you to all my patrons who kindly support the show and help to cover the podcast hosting. Your support means a lot to me and is very much appreciated. Anyone can become a patron and support the podcast for as little as £1 a month. Hop over to patreon.com slash dissectingdexter if you want to do that. You can also support me by leaving a nice review or a rating on iTunes or whichever is your podcast medium of choice. It's all good, and I thank you for it. All right, let's get into this next episode. We are up to Season 3, Episode 6. Episode title, Si Se Puede, if possible. That translates to in English. I'm not sure how my Spanish came across there. Original air date. 29th of May, 2009, written by Charles Aglee. This is the first of four episodes of Dexter that he wrote. The director is Ernest Dickerson, 
directing Dexter for the first time here, and he went on to direct a total of nine episodes. Dickerson has worked on some great shows, actually, directing episodes of Treme, Bosch, The Walking Dead and The Wire, amongst many, many others. And more recently, he's worked on Bosch Legacy and Raised by Wolves. His early career was spent as a cinematographer, often working with the great Spike Lee. He's got a great CV. Anyway, let's get on with the recap and review. Here we go. It's broski time. Dex and Miguel out at sea fishing. Vegans and vegetarians look away, but hopefully they used a fish that was already dead. Or even a prop fish, although it did look real. Seems like Dexter's genuinely enjoying himself. Nice to see he can get real pleasure out of things that don't involve chopping people up and stuffing them in bin bags and dumping them in the ocean. But if Dexter was hoping for a fun day chilling out on the waves, he's got another thing coming. Miguel brings up Ethan Turner from the last episode. He really has a deep fascination for killing and wants to know the intimate details. What was it actually like to take the life? I think Dexter tells him what he wants to hear. It felt right, it felt like justice. I think we know the truth though, don't we? He felt powerful, he felt control, he felt release. Miguel seems to be looking at Dexter like he's his personal executioner. He has to deal with all the red tape and bureaucracy of the legal system every day. And then here's his friend who can sort the bad guys out efficiently and effectively. Bit worrying, really. Miguel thinks they're like-minded and seems to want this partnership to continue in this way. However, it's easy for him when he doesn't have to get his hands dirty. Dexter considers that maybe on some level Miguel really does know him. But in conversation with Harry... It's pointed out that Miguel has no clue what's really going on in Dexter's head, and this is so true. As viewers, we understand Dexter's darkness, where it came from, why he kills in the way he does, why he kills who he does. But with Miguel's self-assuredness, his arrogance, I don't know, it's like he's created a narrative or rationale for this arrangement in his head, one that he's comfortable with. Harry suggests that Dexter puts Miguel's friendship to the test, and he comes out with a great line that could be a tagline for the series itself. Every time you let someone get close, it ends badly. I do like these little interactions with Harry. I've probably said this many times, and we talked about this last time, but I think we can all agree that it represents his uh, uh, Dexter's subconscious. So, in effect, he's discussing things with a different part of his mind, the dark passenger and his rational, reasonable self. In the mental health field, they talk about two sides of the brain, the emotional side and the logical side. As humans, we would endeavour to sit in between the two, but sometimes the emotional side can be too strong, like those times when we might lose our temper or have a knee-jerk reaction to something. It's like that fight-or-flight thing. You could also picture it as a river with logic on one side, on one bank of the river, and emotion is on the other side. And we try to steer our boat right down the middle, not getting too close to one side or the other. Balance. For Dexter, the emotional part of his mind wants a friend. He wants someone he can be himself with, be free. But here, Harry represents the logical part of the mind, 
the voice of reason, the wise old owl, if you like. But Dexter makes a decision to make Miguel understand the risks involved with what he does, in the hope that it makes him rethink this partnership. The grisly reality could be too much to stomach. Dexter attends a new crime scene. Deb's there. The Skinner's struck again, and tragically, it's that kid, Wendell. Remember the last time uh, she talked to him? Uh, the, um, we got that point-of-view shot and, and the tense music suggesting someone sinister was watching. Well, it seems like they really were, and Wendell's come out of it badly, <laughs> bad in the fatal kind of way. Deb's upset about it and maybe feels responsible in some way for putting him in the sights of a killer by talking to him. Masuka's already there, examining the body, and it's pretty grim, even by Dexter's standards, because this is a child, essentially, a 15-year-old boy. Dexter thinks this is the handiwork of an experienced individual, and Batista requests a check of the National Database for similar crimes. Back at the office, later on, Dexter's scanning the police files, doing his homework for a potential victim to target with Miguel but he wants to make it a tough one so Miguel learns the high risks and hopefully gets put off. Deb interrupts and is panicking that the Skinner is tracking her investigation to get to Freebo. It's funny, Freebo feels like the MacGuffin at the moment. <laughs> this minor character from episode one that's become the thing at the centre of the Skinner case driving the police department's investigation. While considering who knew about who Deb was talking to, Dexter's a bit naughty. When an opportunity presents itself, Ramon Prado is on the list and it gives Dexter a chance to put some heat on him and he convinces Deb that he could be a potential suspect. Something awful about you, Morgan. I should have seen it before. The fake smile, the donuts. You don't even walk like a normal person. You glide like a fucking lizard on ice. It's all a fucking act. And I ain't mine. You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. You are one creep, motherfucker. The blossoming friendship between LaGuerta and Ellen Wolfe takes a bit of a hit. Maria finds out that Ellen's building something against Miguel Prado, gathering evidence of him playing fast and loose with the legal system. The Chicky Hines case that we've been touching on the last few episodes is the tip of the iceberg for her, and she smells blood. Maria's pissed off, though, feeling like her trust has been broken, having gone to... Ellen about Hines just to help out the case, not help us start a witch hunt. Deb goes to visit Anton at his apartment and makes a show of checking he's alone. Remember last time she found a half-naked woman there? For Deb, she reacts pretty well here. She is a very fiery character and often reacts emotionally, but she's really okay here, which is good to see. I guess she and Anton, although they've slept together, they have some kind of understanding that they're not official and she's okay if he sees anyone else. She checks with Anton if he told anyone about Wendell. Of course he hasn't. It's good that she has Anton to talk to. She needs an outlet for her feelings, and she's still really upset about the kid. She feels responsible, which of course she isn't, but she feels that way, and it's getting to her. Anton says, don't beat yourself up, and she says, that's what I do best. <laughs> Bless her. A little window into her mental state. We know she has her burden from losing both parents, lacking attention from her dad when she was growing up, wanting to succeed professionally and emulate her dad, and here, hinting at issues with self-loathing. 
It's fascinating looking at characters like this. I really find it interesting. It really helps us understand why characters do the things they do. If you ever get annoyed by Deb <laughs> wearing a, her heart on her sleeve and getting pissy so easily, think about this. Moving on, Dexter meets privately with Miguel, having identified a potential victim, a self-confessed self murderer and, and an Aryan called Clemson Galt, who managed to escape justice through witness intimidation and witness murder, I think. He's doing time for something else, but he's still ordering hits from behind bars. It's exactly the kind of case that would wind up Miguel and get him riled. However, as Dexter intended, Miguel recognises the difficulty and risk of getting to Galt. Hooray! Seems like Dexter's made up his mind to not have a partner and wants to keep friendship and the Dark Passenger totally separate. However, Miguel has taken the bait and wants to go through with it. Boo! <laughs> Dexter gets some sad news next morning in the office. LaGuerta tells him that Camilla is terminally ill with lung cancer. Remember Camilla from Records? Played by the amazing Margot Martindale, she was close friends with Dexter's adopted parents and knew about where Dexter came from. This week on Batista Love Watch, he's trying his luck again, touting for a date with the vice detective Barbara Gianna. She brushes him off, but the conversation is its nice-natured and you get a sense that his persistence might be rewarded. What are his chances, do you reckon? 60? 70? 80%? More? I'm rooting for him. We all are, aren't we? Deb interrupts his little moment of optimism with a question about Ramon Prado. Does he think he could be the Skinner? Batista's face is a picture, like she's just floated the suggestion that operating a deep-fat fryer while naked could be a good idea. She puts her best argument forward, but Batista is understandably incredulous. I mean, Ramon is... Definitely hot-headed and volatile, but a serial killer? Well, Batista isn't on board, but he still allows us some slack to go and look into it, which she does that same night, tailing him. This is the Dissecting Dexter Podcast. That helps me control the chaos. Dexter goes to visit Camilla in hospital, She's in a poor state, but I like the touch of humour. She struggles with her words and says how all her life she's been searching. Dexter finishes the sentence, presuming it to be something profound. The meaning of life, he says. But no, it's the perfect key lime pie, of course. What else? <laughs> Camilla talks sadly about watching her husband wither away from the same cancer and understandably doesn't want to suffer the indignation or suffer in the same way. <sighs> Dying I can do. Hell, I'm doing it. The pain sure is there, though. All the worst part of the whole damn thing. Not losing my life, my time on this earth, is losing my... But dignity. Love 
lovely performance from Margot Martindale there, even down to the little dribble from the corner of her mouth as she loses consciousness. Dignity. Something it seems that Dex Dexter might take to heart and latch on to. Later, at the Prados, Sylvia offers the recently out-of-work Rita a new job working with her, while outside, Dexter and Miguel talk about darker things. Clemson Galt, to be precise. Dexter tries but fails to put Miguel off, tabling a plan that he knows won't work, but Miguel is not deterred and has an idea of his own, and he's already put things in motion, much to Dexter's uneasy surprise. He's issued a subpoena for Galt to be a witness and he's being transported to the courthouse, so he's within their reach. Dexter's surprised and intrigued by Miguel's motivation and apparent aptitude for this kind of thing. Next morning, Yuki Yamado tries her luck with Deb again. She's been written as someone with a serious attitude problem, so cocky and lacking in people skills. If she wants Deb's cooperation, she needs to take a good look in the mirror. Completely unlikable character, and Deb responds to her with the disdain she deserves. At the courthouse, Miguel goes over the plan with Dexter, while Saddam Hussein serves them coffee. No, really. Watch the scene. It's him. I swear it is. He went into hiding during the Second Gulf War, didn't he? But really, he was at Sunset Gower Studios filming a cameo for his favourite American TV show. He left me an iTunes review once. All right. Some of that isn't true. All right. None of that's true. But it really does look like him. They spot Ellen Wolfe and Miguel goes off on one, saying what a bottom feeder she is. He's really got a problem with her, although from earlier the feeling's mutual. There's no love lost between these two. Miguel and Dexter carry on looking around as Miguel explains the plan. He's so set on seeing this through, or so it seems at the moment. He's clearly been thinking about this kind of thing for a long time, brought on by his frustrations with the limitations and restrictions of the justice system. Now he's met Dexter, he's finally got a way of easing all that and seeing justice served outside of the system. Dexter muses how Miguel wants this for lofty and noble reasons, how he himself is not of the same mindset, which we've talked about many times on this podcast, how the good that comes from what Dexter does taking bad people out of commission and saving potential future victims, how, how all that is a fortunate byproduct thanks to Harry's code. But that good is absolutely not why Dexter does this. The prime reason is completely self-serving, and that's worth remembering about the character as the series progresses. Meanwhile, outside Miami Metro, Batiste is approached by a girl in a short dress, implying that she's been in the station regarding a... <clears throat> um, victimless legal matter and practically propositions him wanting a lift home and offering to repay him in kind Batista is a good boy and gives her a few bucks for a taxi his face afterwards though I love it he knew he was being played and when his phone rings he's not surprised in the slightest to find it's Barbara Gianni agreeing to a date well played Angel that evening at Rita's She's a little nervous about working with Sylvia Prado, her friend. Nervous if they don't get along or she sees a side of a friend that she doesn't like. It's really on the nose, actually, when that parallels Dexter and Miguel. This thing happens occasionally in TV shows, but I, I felt this was a bit corny. 
Harry has one last attempt at trying to dissuade Dexter from killing Galt with Miguel. Dexter pushes back, saying he's got a life, he has a family and a friend he trusts, and makes a comment about the mess Harry left them in when he passed away. You can view how Harry raised Dexter as a form of child abuse, shaping or grooming his son into being an effective serial killer, neglecting his daughter. Then, as we saw in flashback before, when he actually witnessed what he'd encouraged Dexter to do, he couldn't stomach it, and the harsh, grisly reality pushed him over the edge. Some resentment from Dexter would be inevitable. Even though Dexter seems to be comfortable coexisting with his dark passenger, it is still a burden. So he's trying to make the best of it and living a life with his passenger. And in life, he doesn't want to be lonely. Why would he? Why should he? And I feel like I'd like to see a bottle episode of Dexter. Just him and Harry talking, getting into all the nitty-gritty. However, I don't think the character of Dexter is yet in a place where this could be really something special. Anyway... Musings aside, <laughs> the Harry discussion will come back again, but for now, Miguel is at the courthouse and meets with Galt. He's an intimidating guy, swastika tattoos, full of racist vitriol, and he immediately starts giving Miguel some verbal abuse. However, Miguel keeps his cool and puts his plan in motion, handing Galt the key to the handcuffs. In the car park, Dexter poses as an Aryan brother and gives Galt a dose of the good stuff and down he goes. There's a tease when we wonder for a minute whether Dexter's been portrayed. Harry has a I told you so moment, but no, Miguel comes through and out they go. Stylistically, it's all quick paced, short, punchy scenes, a common feature of Dexter's production. You look at a show like Breaking Bad where they really take their time. This show can be very quick, almost jarring sometimes. Not a second wasted on substantial transitions. Like here, Deb is tailing Ramon. Ramon meets a guy, hits him, puts him in the boot. Quick wide shot of a bridge at night, then cut to a man tied in a chair, in a room, Ramon standing imposingly over him. Deb's watching them. Quinn joins her and we learn she called him. It's not really fair for me to compare to something like Breaking Bad. Dexter's never been a show with that, that kind of style. It's got a style of its own. But often, as I'm preparing these recaps, I realise how punchy the show can be, chopping from one scene to another, character to character. It does help keep the pace up, so it's not a bad thing. Now, maybe I didn't even need to mention it. <laughs> maybe I'll edit this bit out. Anyway, Deb and Quinn are waiting for a sign that Ramon is going to start skinning. No knives, but Ramon shakes up a bottle of fizzy drink and opens it up the guy's nose almost like waterboarding or something, so they've got him for torture at least. Then, out comes a knife, but instead he cuts the bindings and lets the man go. Deb realises he's not the skinner. They bring him in though, and want to charge him with, amongst other things, torture. LaGuerta agrees and gives Deb some credit for her investigation. Coming out of this, knowing that Quinn had her back, Deb tells him about internal affairs. When he hears who the IA woman is, he relaxes and assures Deb it's just a personal vendetta and not to worry. We've been teased that Quinn might be a dirty cop more than once this season, but it seems, possibly, that he might just be okay. Cut to the kill room. Galt under the shrink wrap. 
Dexter gives credit to Miguel for making this happen, and we are teased with, the, with Miguel approaching the house. Or so we think. Or so he thinks. But Dexter's sent him to the wrong address. In voiceover, Dexter basically says the ritual and everything that goes with it. It's for him alone. He says he's just not ready to share this part of him with anyone else yet. Will he ever get there, though? For a serial killer, this is the climax that they seek, and it is very personal. You can understand why he's done it like this and let down Miguel, who you might think would be pissed off about this. But Dexter is convinced that he knows him, and he's confident that Miguel won't mind. He's confident that Miguel Prado is his, as he puts it, first friend. Will Dexter ever be ready to share this private moment, though? Harry's convinced that this won't work out well, but Dexter's so willing to now let Miguel in to this part of his life that's always been hidden, apart from Lila, and we know how that ended. This willingness, though, it links with something he often muses about, this, this notion of being normal and fitting in, the desire of having a regular life. Can he have it all? Can his dark passenger coexist with a regular life? He's maybe naive for thinking so. The look on Miguel's face at the end there indicates he's not angry with Dexter about this. He seems to understand, but his desire to be part of a kill has not been satisfied. He might very well still want that. Listener feedback. All right, let's hear from you guys. As always, you can drop me a line at dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can send me an email or even a voicemail if you want to get your own dulcet tones onto the podcast. And as you know, as I always do, <laughs> I respond to everything. Uh, if you guys take the time to contact me, the least I can do is um, return the favour by responding to you on the podcast. So it's a guaranteed way of uh, getting your name out there on the podcast, which um, when I used to listen to a lot of podcasts, I used to get a kick out of that and we'd send in feedback to stuff. <laughs> All right, um, Emma Grabinski has emailed to say, I just want to say how much I enjoy your podcast. I work alone at night often and listen while I get tasks done. Helps me focus. I also love hearing your take on some of the most iconic scenes and I'm delighted when we have the same opinions. I really, I really hope I don't run out of episodes anytime soon, especially after finishing New Blood. I've been in love with the show and your podcast is the best companion out there. Thanks so much, Emma. I replied to your email at the time, but wanted to give you a mention on the podcast as you took the time to contact me. I love hearing from you guys, even if it is just to say hello and that you're listening. And if you want to share some thoughts on the episodes, I love that too. Like Mamoon Rashid did, who writes, Let me start off by saying that the podcast is amazing and I'm enjoying every minute of it. I found your podcast a few months after New Blood ended when I started rewatching the series. I was listening to the podcast in order and was bummed out that I couldn't send feedback since the podcast was recorded already until I got to season three and saw that it's actually still going on. I'm excited to share my thoughts on the remaining of season three and my favourite, season four. So, the Dexter and Miguel relationship. I don't know if I like Dexter involving Miguel in his free time hobby because we can see he can get reckless with rules as an ADA by not giving the Chicky Hines case another chance and the Ellen Wolf and then Ellen Wolf told Maria that he has been playing loose with the rules. Ramon is the Skinner. 
I remember the first time watching. I was sure that Ramon was the Skinner. They made it really believable at the time. Imagine another police officer turns out to be a serial killer. The Miami Police Department would really need to work on background checks and training. Deb tells Quinn about IA. Deborah finally told Quinn that IA is investigating him and we find out from Quinn that Yuki Amado has personal issues with him. I don't believe him. I think he's saying this just so that Deborah doesn't suspect anything. Also, what is going to happen now that Yuki knows Deborah told Quinn? Is she going to sabotage Deb? Also, does the elevator have a pause button? Quinn presses a button in the elevator and it stops for a few, se a few seconds and then he presses it again and it starts moving. It was really sad seeing Camilla sick in hospital. Her last wish to eat the perfect key lime pie was very wholesome. Well, that was a lot, but it's my first time giving feedback about an episode. We'll try to keep it short in the future. Thanks, Mamoon. Thank you for the kind words about the podcast. And you're right about Miguel. Although, I think he really is on board with Dexter and has this fascination with wanting to be part of the kill. He has definitely shown that he can play loose with the rules. Dexter has his very his very strict code that he lives by, and so far it's prevented him getting caught. With Miguel and his apparent willingness to bend the rules, will this be what creates a rift between them later on? As for, for Ramon, I never liked him from the start, even though he was perfectly justified in wanting to find out what happened to his brother. Quinn... I was inclined to believe him with what he said in the elevator. As soon as he heard what Deb said, his face, it, it seemed to show instant relief, like he knew exactly what this was all about. He didn't seem at all worried to me. But you know what they say about a woman scorned? Will Yuki make things difficult for Deb later? And finally, Camilla. She's lovely. We never got enough of her in the earlier seasons. She was a tie to Harry and Dexter's youth, and I liked the potential for what information she had, or stories she could tell. It's very sad seeing her like this, though. And, Mamoon, please don't cut your emails short. <laughs> you say what you want to say, my friend. I love hearing fan opinions and theories. It's all good. And if you go long, it's no problem. And I hope to hear from you with thoughts on upcoming episodes. Thanks very much. So, we are halfway through season three now. And things are very interestingly poised. It seems like, as Dexter said, he's got a friend. Things seem to be working well, although, of course, <laughs> it's not like any normal friendship. I mean, those of us listening, those of us listening, you're listening, I'm talking. <laughs> those of us here, gathered around the podcast table. Listeners and speakers alike. There, I should have put it like that. <laughs> How many of us have a friendship that's based on murder? Mm, I dare say probably none of us. <laughs> but, you know, this is Dexter. This is a TV show about a serial killer. So, you know, it's always through that, that lens, isn't it? This friendship seems to be going well. Miguel is okay with Dexter deceiving him there at the end. It was a it was a wry smile. He didn't seem angry. Who knows where this could go? But remember Harry's words, the ones uh, the ones I played earlier in the episode. 
things don't always work out well when Dexter gets close to someone. Or rather, as Harry said, things never work out well. I'm interested to see what happens next. And I'm sure you are too. So join me again when we get to season three, episode seven. Coming soon. (laughs) And I will not let COVID, or I'll try not to catch COVID (laughs) to add any delay to the next podcast. I do have a holiday coming up. I'm away for a bit, but um, I will not leave it so long for the next one. Join me again and we will dissect some more Dexter. I promise. Until then, thank you for listening. Thanks for your support. Thanks again to the patrons. And I'll speak to you soon. Until then, take care, guys. Bye for now.